Well, welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name's Freddie Maggard. I'm joined by Nick Rouse from Louisville. Nick, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm excited for this uh, holiday weekend. Very excited. Yeah. Memorial Day. Uh, yeah, Memorial Day weekend. It's very special to me for many reasons. Um, so, yeah, it's, a, it's going to be a good weekend. Hopefully we get good weather and uh, everyone remembers the, the true reason and meaning of the holiday and enjoys family and friends and uh, pay respects to those that are no longer with us. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go to go to Corbin and I'm going to uh, work on my mom and dad's grave and then probably head down to Harlan County for a day and, and do the same down there and pay my respects. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a going to be a busy weekend. I'll probably safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Memorial Day weekend and, and enjoys the, uh, the the three day. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and I'm glad you said safe too, because uh, as fun as it is to to get out on your boat or you know light some fireworks, yeah, you know it can be dangerous as long as yeah. So uh, make sure you take all the right precautions. It's going to be great weather, Freddie. We're getting a nice little cool down too. Good. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm looking forward just to being outside and not so because. After this weekend, you know it's just going to be a thousand degrees. And- yeah, it's been hot this week, man. It's been mm-hmm. hot, uh, you know, because I, I I walk quite a bit and and it's been it's been hot. So, bro, I had uh, to I'll do the good. I had to do the park loop that's completely shaded just to be <laughs> if I was going to be outside, <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kentucky football, Nick Roush. Um, I want to start off talking about Chris Rodriguez Jr. I wrote about it on the website that, uh, you know, Rodriguez averaged six and 6.6 yards per carry up with only 13.2 carries per game. Uh, he finished fifth in the SEC with uh, 87 yards uh, per game. He's poised to have an All-American type year. And what that can mean, if, if, if Rodriguez just continues with his averages, with, with, if you factor in an increase in carries to say 18 to 20, he'll finish his junior season in the top 10 all-time rushers. He'll he'll pass up or be right behind Boom Williams with a thousand yards and ahead of Artie Spinner. Uh, so he has a chance to be historical with with main with three years at Kentucky. So and then a number that that jumped out to me, he already has 17 rushing touchdowns Mm -hmm. he's averaged eight and a half over the last couple seasons if you project that going forward of just eight and a half rounded up one then he would be tied with Sonny Collins and Mo Williams for the second most rushing touchdowns in program history Uh, I think that's significant yeah behind only Benny Snell um yeah absolutely (laughs) uh and I'm I'm actually trying to pull it up now because i'm wondering i want to see what the single season record is because you know benny he was more of a beacon of consistency i know he he had some years that were i I actually think his sophomore year he might have had more rushing yards than his his junior year but if if you look at the is this the single season yeah so the single season rushing record mo williams is 1600 yards in 1995 yeah and i was wrong benny's best year was his last year he had 1449 i, I don't see why i don't see why rodriguez wouldn't be around that 14 1500 yard mark if he I, I stays healthy either. you know if he stays healthy he's fresh because he's not gotten a lot of carries mm-hmm. uh, so what that means is to me is how Rodriguez adapts to the outside zone scheme. That's that's the only thing that I need to see uh, before I can 100% project him to, to, to reach those marks is how he adapts to the outside zone scheme. And then I, 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 for that, that's the only, not concern, but uh, a, a matter of fact that I, I want to see play out before, you know, we can project him moving further up in, in the rankings. 
if, but, if, if Rodriguez does have the kind of year that, that I'm projecting that everybody is pretty much projecting, then he's going to have to make a decision whether to enter the NFL draft or stay at Kentucky. If he stays for his senior year, then he's in play for just about every rushing record in, in school history. Uh, I, I did see that pro football focus. No, it seems like they're, um, it seems like they're pretty, what's the word I'm looking for? It seems like they're Kentucky fans to a degree because they yeah. share some very flattering stats. I know earlier this week they shared a Darian Kennard one. Uh, that's obviously yeah. good. This one from Rodriguez though. The lowest percentage of rushes ending in a loss or no gain since 2019. So going back to his freshman season, 1.6% of his rushes ended for a loss or no gain. 1.6. Right. And, I mean, it took all the way to what? The the bowl game for him to get tackled for a loss yeah. last year? Yeah, I mean, he didn't have – yeah, no tackles for loss on, on Rodriguez until the Gator Bowl. I mean, that's – <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it, you got to salute the offensive line, but Absolutely. still for Rodriguez to get, cause like, you know, I mean, that was in the 2019 season too, the Lynn Bowden season, you know? So like yeah. there was, yeah. there were some times where they knew it was coming. And even when he got hit, he was falling forward and that's just, yeah. Oh man. That's impressive. That's impressive. And the thing with the outside zone, Freddie too, you're right. He's going to have to adjust to it. I think you could see a scenario where, the tackles for us might come up if, if, you know, you get just the, the blitzes at the right time, but there should be a lot more explosive plays to where those, those yards per carry stats will still stay yeah. pretty high. Yeah, I agree because outside zone or that, that zone scheme that Dan Cohen is bringing to Kentucky is a more slower developing play per se, because the offensive lineman block an area instead of a man. And so sometimes those plays get stretched out and you will see tackles for loss more so than, than the power plays or the inside zone that Kentucky was so good at under Eddie Grand. So you could see more of those, but it's not a reflection on Rodriguez. Uh, it, it would be a reflection on, on the, the timing of the play. And I think Kentucky will have to get that timing down before mm -hmm. September the 4th. Uh, if you look at the SEC, um, you know, Athlon came out. Freddie, can I I'm just sorry, go ahead. real quick yeah. before we move on? I wanted yeah. to bring up Rodriguez's yards per attempt. Yeah. Right now he's 6.6 .6 yards per carry. Yeah. That would have been the record pre-stoops. Right. For best yards per attempt in a career. Actually, yeah. that's just a season. Higgy had it at 6.6. .6. And then since Stoops got here, it's been broken three times. Boone yeah, did it well, twice, and Bowden had 7.9 yards in 2019 to carry. That's crazy. Yeah. Will Rodriguez in 2019 averaged 7.5 yards to carry. Jeez. So he, he had 71 carries for 533 yards and six touchdowns. He just didn't hit the, the minimum. The minimum's 100 in the in the UK record book. But, man, that, exactly. is, that is crazy. And, and for career – I mean, so 6.6 .6 is his career. That's third right now, all time behind Bowden and Boom. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's, yeah, that, that was the point of my article is, is, is that we're, we're, we are in the audience of seeing something special with Chris Rodriguez because the common theme last year for, for me, and I don't, I, I can't speak for anybody else other than me was, Give Rodriguez the ball. Get him more carries. Mm -hmm. But he was sharing carries with A.J. Rose. And, and again, I, I'm higher on Rose uh, than some because he's, he's a top 10 all-time rusher. If you look at Kentucky as a football program, running backs have been have been historically one of the better positions on the, on the Kentucky teams. And A.J. Rose leaves as a top 10 rusher. So when you're sharing carries with somebody like that, that's understandable. But 2021 is the year of Chris Rodriguez, and uh, we'll see him move up in the history book, in the, in the history rankings. Well, and even big picture, Freddie, I know that, especially for folks my age who grew up with the Air Raid and Couch and yeah. Mummy and Lorenzen and Bonner, Woodson, you know, in the quarterbacks at Louisville, too, this state is always closely identified with great quarterbacks. 
But yeah. right now we're in a golden era for running backs, and uh, yeah, between Benny Snell, Chris, like even the bad, the the quote unquote bad ones. I mean, Boom Williams, you forget about how much fun he was to play yeah. because we've had such good backs in, in recent years. And as Liam Cohen said recently, it's probably not Chris Lord anytime soon. That might be the deepest and most no. talented <clears throat> group they have on on the uh, offense right yeah, now. Yeah, running back, running backs, and tight ends, obviously, or or the in my opinion, the, the two deepest and best position groups on the offense and arguably on the whole team. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and then I know your age group, you go back to my age group, it was an annual occurrence of having a UK running back break records and go to the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I played – I was on the same teams with five, six, seven backs that went on to the NFL. So, it, it was a common occurrence back then. But then, like you said, the air raid happened, and then it, it's just a, it's just a, a pendulum swing back to the era of the yeah. running backs, which, which brings me to, we get into a, just a quick overview of the SEC. Uh, Athlon came out. I bought mine yesterday. Oh, nice. uh, I have I haven't got into it much, but I wrote my own book. If you can see, you can't see on the podcast, but I'm showing Nick. Oh, I see. The old yeah. school. Yeah, the old school uh, uh, notebook that I have on the SEC. Yeah, the like, which uh, uh, what do you what do you call it? not planners, but they're different than just your regular notebook. They've got the like the black composition marble. book. There you go, composition book. Yeah, yeah, I have my composition book of the SEC because I was preparing to do fine bomb with Matt and Drew. Uh, <laughs> it couldn't, I couldn't, it couldn't be worked out on Tuesday. Then Matt lost his voice on Wednesday. So, uh, but I keep this book and I update it throughout the season. And one thing that, that I, I've come to the conclusion about the SEC in 2021 is the running backs across the league are very, very good. Uh, I think you're going to see high production. I know that the, the Southeastern Conference is a passing league. and You got Ole Miss. Uh, you got Mississippi State throwing it all over the place. Alabama now doing that. Tennessee's going to do it, too, with high Tennessee's going to yeah. do Georgia with JT Daniels. But there's some really, really good running backs in the SEC. We've talked about Rodriguez, uh, but Isaiah Spiller out of A&M, first-team All-SEC per Athlons. Uh, Kevin Harris at South Carolina led the league in rushing a year ago. That's going to be a running back that Kentucky has to face. Jerry on Ely at Ole Miss. Faced him last year. Uh, Tyler Beatty at Missouri. Larry Roundtree is gone, which seems like Larry Roundtree was at Missouri for 100 years. He was there longer than Kentrell Brothers, you know. Tyler Beatty is smaller, quicker, but he is a quality running back. Tank Bigsby at Auburn. I saw him Mm -hmm. last year. True freshman, had a huge year. Uh, Zamir White at Georgia. So the SEC could be running back heavy in 2021. Uh, as far as elite quarterbacks, we'll see about that. JT Daniels of Georgia took over, threw for over 1,000 yards in the last four games of the season. Kentucky's going to see him. He changed the dynamic of that Georgia offense. Uh, could be one of the best or will be one of the best in the league. I think the best in the SEC going into next year is Matt Corral at Ole Miss uh, because of the production because of the system, but more so, and and I'm just going to say, Ole Miss defense is so bad. It was so bad. Maybe it improved. I don't know. Yeah, big maybe. Teams are going to score points. So the opportunities, the attempts are going to be higher for Corral, most likely, than any quarterback other than Mississippi State. Yeah, and the thing about Corral, I, the way that Kiffin plays, too, I mean, it really is perfect for Crowell's strengths, who's kind of a running gun, you know, like it's a, it's, it's yeah. a big play. I mean, of course there's timing up your shots, but it's very North South. It's not the horizontal stuff that you get with, with um, Mississippi state, Mississippi state. Right. Yeah. Right. So you can get a lot of big plays. You can get them on your heels and he's, I mean, the ball is going to be in his hands so much. He's also like what? 23, 24, He's, he he did the COVID year where he's running it back for one more. And I, I think that just means Kevin's going to give him a little bit more freedom to, to do even more. So, yeah, I, I will ask you, so uh, was, was he Athlon's first team quarterback corral? 
Uh, I think he was. Uh, again, I, I've not I've not got into it much. I'm curious um, what they their the kind of pecking order is because going into last season, we're like, well, is are the quarterbacks that good out there? And then Mac Jones has a big season. Yeah, and I, I'm in Kellen Mond. He played. You know, he yeah. he fit the billing. So, but I don't know. Uh, you know, Kyle Trask surprise. Yeah, but like outside of I, I bet they put JT Daniels first, but outside of Corral and Daniels. There's not a whole lot of. I mean, I'm sure Bryce Young is going to be good for Alabama. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's Corral, Daniels, Bryce Young, and what? then we'll talk about the fourth team, Emory Jones, in a minute. But oh goodness, yeah, goodness. it's uh, Emory Jones. Yeah, Bryce Young at Alabama uh, is third team on Athlon, uh, mainly projection, five star player out of California. Uh, he and Mac Jones competed. And that, that's going to sound crazy, but. Competed last year, Mac Jones won and went on to break records. Uh, but Bryce Young uh, is going – Alabama offensively, if you think about it, the last couple of years have had four dynamic game-changing receivers. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Slade Bolden is back. John Mitchie is back, the receivers, uh, and Billingsley, the tight end. But you're going to see Alabama have three or four – receivers that you've not heard of that are true freshmen or redshirt freshmen that are going to be that are going to fill that role as those previous four yeah. did Look, Alabama signed four of the top 10 receivers in the country last year you're going to see some of those young guys just step right in with Bill O'Brien calling plays and Bryce Young should have a big year in Tuscaloosa yeah, uh, no surprise, Freddie, that Alabama is going to reload. <laughs> I think they said that. Yeah. I think Alabama. This is the best recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes. From like a, it is, you know, from the, from the internet standpoint. So uh, yeah. you know they're going to be just fine. Luckily, Kentucky doesn't have to to deal with them. Uh, but I I do just i i feel like there are a few more mysteries just going into this year just from there across are. the league where there's not this sort of proven talent back that like all right now if they take the next step this could be this could be great uh i mean right across the board i mean like like emory jones come on that guy i know dan mullen's good with getting quarterbacks put him in this a position to succeed but i died that's why it feels like this is the year for Georgia. This is Georgia's year. Am I, am I yeah, off? It could, does it feel like this is Georgia's year where they they, 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 it, they win it, in Atlanta? It does feel like it's Georgia's year, uh, but there are caveats. JT Daniels played at USC, played four games, not a big sample size in the SEC. But what he did when he was in the game, Georgia was much better. He looked good Losing in that bowl George game. Pitt, Looked real good. George losing George oh. Pickens uh, to a knee injury during the spring practice will hurt the dogs. Now you still have that. Jermaine Burton, a true freshman a year ago, who mm-hmm. was excellent, and then Darnell Washington is a six seven, two hundred seventy pound tight end uh, that is projected to take that that leap from true freshman to sophomore. What Georgia does have to replace is six defensive backs from a year ago. Ooh. So. Going to be young in the secondary, uh, but Jacoby uh, De- uh, Jacoby Dean, the linebacker, is back. Lewis Seen is back, the safety hard hitter back there. But Kirby Smart is a defensive coach. With the SEC going to the pass game more, I'll have to see how that secondary from Georgia holds up against Clemson in week one. Now, because, because Dabo Sweeney, is going to throw everything he can at Georgia to try to win that game because let's just be realistic. The ACC is Clemson, and and, no, and that's it. Yep. yep. So odds are Clemson wins that game, beats Georgia in Charlotte week one. They're going to run the table pretty easily and not be tested again the rest of the year. So that game is the, of the utmost importance to Clemson. Uh, and it's going to be fun to watch. But Georgia, uh, again, replacing six DBs is going to be tough. That isn't is that is that the Saturday night uh, prime time first weekend? I I'm not for sure of when, but I do know it's it's the opening game. Okay, I didn't know if that uh, was week zero. Um, yeah, or not. but I 
Yeah. Just to, to talk about kickoff times because we got him. Yeah, it's 7.30, September 4th. Love, 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 love the noon kickoff to start the season because, Freddie, yeah, I, I feel like when we get to the season opener, and especially when you're playing, you know, Terry Bowden, like I don't, I don't want to wait around for my game to get started. I know it kind of takes away from the tailgate, some having a noon kickoff, but there's so many good games that weekend. You get to get hyped, yeah. get up early, enjoy a good Kentucky football win at the Krogue, and then you've got, an afternoon and an evening full, just chock full of, of great football games to enjoy afterwards. So it's kind of like when you're in the NCAA tournament and you win, you win early and you advance and you kind of get the stress all done and then you can just enjoy the rest of the games. That's, that's kind of yeah. how I feel about this opening kickoff time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's good for us. You know, the media, we get to cover the game, do our thing and then watch football. It's good for the players because you get the game over with and you get to visit with family and friends afterwards that may be in, in town for the excuse me, for the game. But for the fans, it's going to be 874 and a half degrees at kickoff. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be hot. So uh, I can see, you know, the detraction there with, with, with the early kickoff, the heat. Uh, tailgating will, will most likely be after the game. And to be quite honest, we'll be at halftime of the game because Kentucky should really do what it wants to do against Louisiana Monroe. So, yeah, the kickoff time and then and then 7.30 kick against uh, Missouri, which I Man, think is the biggest be, game on the schedule. It's going to be rocking, Freddie. That's one where if you're on the fence about going to any game this year, make it that Missouri game. It, that's yeah. one where really need the croak popping because – with the fans' help, it can really push the cats over and really get that ball momentum rolling. Yeah, you know, you look at Missouri, Connor Basilak, I am sky high on him. Uh, I am buying his stock. I think, you know, watch him. He's a cool operator in the pocket. He anticipates and processes the game well, reads defenses, uh, throws, throws receivers open. You, you do lose Hazleton there, receiver, and a couple more. And then two corners from Missouri go uh, enter the transfer portal, which is going to hurt them after both safeties were drafted. So you lose your secondary. Uh, so that's something uh, that Kentucky will have a chance to uh, to capitalize on. But anytime you have Connor Basilak, in my opinion, Missouri has a chance to win. And if you look at the SEC East, you have right now you have Georgia projected. Uh, like you said, ahead of everybody. And then there's a group of three that I think with Kentucky, with Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, <clears throat> right there uh, that are going to compete to to go head-to-head with Georgia uh, to go to Atlanta. So Missouri at Kentucky is the biggest game of the year for the cast because I've always said for UK to have a good season, you have to win the Battle of Columbia which is Columbia, Missouri. You have to beat Missouri, Columbia, South Carolina. You have to beat the Gamecocks. Game two is going to be monstrous for not only uh, early momentum in the season, but for the overall SEC SEC East race. That's going to be a big one, Nick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And right now, most of the – odds maker like all, all of the the odds makers i know athlon was that way too it's going to be it's going to be a big off season for drinking the missouri kool-aid as the next team behind florida and tennessee i don't really know yeah. why there's not a good sound explanation for it but aside from Drinkwitz exceeded expectations in year one and he's got his quarterback back but that that's that's going to be a big talking point and you know what? I think I think Mark Stoops likes that. <laughs> For me, completely yeah, honest. Too. If you look at Missouri, they, uh, the Tigers have not won a bowl game since 2014. Went five and five a year ago, uh, but lost its last two games. And then you look at their SEC rankings: uh, scoring offense seven, rush tenth, pass sixth, total offense seventh. I mean, with defense. Scoring uh, a defense ninth, rushing seventh. I mean, Missouri is statistically is is a middle of the pack team, but I think what pushed what could push them over 
is Connor Bazalak. Again, I'm, I'm really high on that young man. So big game for Kentucky week two uh, with Florida. Nick, your guy, uh, Todd Grantham, did not have a good season, to say the least. Uh, Florida gave up 30.8 points a game, 170 on the ground, which is 10th Ooh. in the SEC, Ninth in total defense, 428 yards per game, uh, but did lead the lead in sacks with 35 and tackles for loss with 70, uh, 73. Third and Grantham, they, gotta, they just got to yeah. pin their ears back on third down. Yeah, but but the Gators lose lose Kyle Trask to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is a perfect landing spot for him. Uh, so, but you got a lot of replace for 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 Florida. Kadarius uh, Tony, Kyle would... Pitts, Trayvon Grimes, three receivers or three pass catchers combined for 131 catches and 31 touchdowns last year. They're all gone. So yeah, Florida has a lot to replace now defensively. Elam is an All-American corner. Zachary Carter's a pass rusher. Ventrell Miller, linebacker. Florida should be better defensively, but there was no excuse for them to be that bad last year. Uh, so Florida could be giving up points, which is something that that Kentucky could take advantage of, and and, and plays Alabama the third game of the season. So they could have a loss coming into Kroger Field. Freddie, the there's a theory that our, our friend Adam Luckett has, and it's one that I would just – I would love. I would drink it up. And the theory is that once Scott and his his tenure with his tots at Louisville comes to an end at the end of the season, that Todd Grantham comes home. Comes <laughs> home as the Louisville head football coach. And, frankly, I can't think of many things that – I. Granted, he did have, you know, he, he did all right when he was at Louisville with, with old Bobby yeah. P. But, man, to see him screaming on the Louisville sidelines as the head coach, I would enjoy Yeah, it. I would that, enjoy that's, it. That's a theory that could could be proven true. I, I, I You know, I don't know uh, enough about Louisville right now to, to project of how they're going to do, but uh, that, that would be interesting. Uh, but Todd Grantham, I know he's, he's – you know, somebody that we talk about quite a bit, third and Grantham, uh, you know, and, and him getting yelled at on the sideline. But he is a really, really good defensive coordinator. Uh, he's got Brendan Cox out there as a pass rusher. So I look for the Florida defense to improve now. Well, they, they, they have to just for that offense. To. To they, say. They, and I think it, in that regard, too, Freddie, it's kind of the same way with Kentucky where you need the offense to give more because your defense is just not going to. It can't be as great as it was last year. You were just replacing so much. I know it's going to be good, right. but they're going to have to score more points. Same thing with Florida. Florida's not going to be able to beat teams forty-two to thirty-five. You know, right. like they had to do last year. They're they're going to need their defense to step up. Florida with Emory Jones, the quarterback. I, I know that that people are, are sky high on him due to the fact of Dan Mullen is is an excellent quarterback coach. Look what he did with Dak with Tebow. Uh, you know, with Trask, I mean, he, he's just been tremendous as a quarterback's coach. And Embry Jones is, is an extremely skilled player. Uh, we've not seen a lot of his passing because he was Florida's running quarterback behind mm -hmm. Trask to give them uh, a different look, different feel to that offense. But if I look at Florida, the number I'm looking at is 131 rush yards a game, which is 11th in the SEC. That has to improve. Florida has to to get balance before that offense can be. It's not going to be as prolific as it was with Trask and Pitts and, and Kadarius Tony and, and those and, and Trayvon Grimes. It's not. It's just not. Uh, but it's going to look different. And how it looks different is it going to be something that I'm going to be very interested in as the season starts. Uh, man, they, I, I'd like for them to come in untarnished, though, just so Kentucky can give them their first loss of the season. It feels just better when you do that, yeah. you know? It does. It does. Now let's move on to the, to Georgia. Um, JT Daniels comes in at quarterback. Last four games of the season, Georgia averages 37.3 points per game, uh, returns 12 starters. Look at that defense. Again, lose six DBs off of it, but only gave up 20 points a game. Allowed 72 rush yards a game, which is first in the SEC. So, uh, 
Kirby Smart is an excellent defensive coach. Georgia has an enormous amount of talent. They're going to replace those DBs, expect them to be good. No, I don't think as great as that Georgia defense was a year ago, but very good. Uh, so we'll see about that. Kirby Smart at Georgia has it was is 52 and 14. Do you know what Mark Rick's record was after the same amount of time? Ooh, I bet it was 53 and 13. Slightly better. 52, 52 and 13. Oh, so just one less loss. That's now yeah. I don't think so. Kirby, Kirby won the SEC though with From, but lost in the title game, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't yeah. know if if if, if Rick had that under his belt, but I do think it's pretty wild, though, Freddie, especially with all these coaching rankings coming out, just how much they make that first year the standard. Or not the first year, I guess, yeah. even his second year. But that's the would, – would be a, you know, earth-shattering season for most. That's the standard at Georgia, and they just haven't lived up to it. You know, one of those, like, you know, you're a, a botched – what was it, second and 38 – or I, I forget the second 21 away from winning a national title. And it's almost like the, the Falcons where, you know, you blew the big lead and now you're just scratching and clawing trying to get back. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's a mental thing up there. Cause I know the, the fans, of Georgia, there's certainly, a, there's certainly a complex there where they're like, gosh, you know, like Florida fans yeah. are like, you last title in 84. You know, they love to rib him on that. And I wonder if it's something that, that's really starting to get to them. It could be, Nick. And if you look at Georgia in 2021, one thing that sticks out at me is, is the Bulldogs have a, a extremely favorable schedule. Let me read you their road games. Well, Charlotte, at Charlotte, they play Clemson week one, which is, which is tough. That's going to be – you know, that's a game of the week. That's that's the showcase. Mm -hmm. And the, the winner, uh, the winner will progress on towards the playoff. The loser could be, you know, early knocked out or, or or wobbled a bit. I wouldn't say knocked out, but wobbled. Their road games after that, at Vanderbilt, at Auburn, at Tennessee, Man. at Georgia Tech. That, <laughs> that, that. Is that a favorable schedule? Yeah, I mean, you're right. If they just get past that first week, all of your it, – it's. I mean, it's not so different than Kentucky's where the teams that – the easy the, – the teams you'd wish to play on the road, you're playing them all on the road. All those kind yeah. of seemingly gimmies, you know? So – Yeah, and Georgia's uh, uh, west opponent outside of Auburn is Arkansas. So you dodge Alabama, or dodge <laughs> yeah. Alabama, LSU. You dodge A and M, LSU, yeah. and you get Arkansas. So favorable schedule. Georgia finally has a quarterback. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do week one against Clemson. Go to South Carolina, who I'm I'm surprised is not preseason two in the East. Uh, if if we go to trend here, uh, Shane Beamer, the head coach, comes in. <laughs> The defense last year was just was bad. Oh, I man. mean, just just bad. But they had two uh, draft picks at corner, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, yeah. But yeah. That, but that's that's a, how that bad they were, though. I had a, I did not have a pass rush. Uh, only fourteen sacks, which was last in the SEC. Gave up thirty six points a game to one hundred ninety five on the ground. Offensively, twenty three points a game. Did did run for one hundred sixty seven, but. It was with Kevin Harris, I mean, you know, that. And then on offense, you lose Shy Smith, the only really explosive receiver that you had. Uh, Luke Doty projects to be the quarterback. Kevin Harris, all SEC running back, dynamic running back. Uh, he's back. Other than that, <laughs> there's not a lot back for South Carolina. This could be a tough year for Shane Beamer. Uh Certainly start the season off with a friendly schedule. Eastern Illinois at home and at East Carolina before going to Georgia and then playing and hosting UK. So um, Nick Muse, tight end. He was effective last year, came back for his sixth year. 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see how Alabama, how South Carolina. Now, Kingsley Enigbare is is an elite pass rusher, an elite defensive lineman. He is back. And then a couple safeties, Cam Smith corner. But uh, uh, Shane Beamer does not have uh, a roster that is ready to compete for the East right as of yet. He uh-huh. may he may recruit good, but but right now I can't I, mean, I can't see South Carolina being a factor in 2021. I just. Uh... You go from having the best coach in the SEC to the worst in Power Five football. The the media they're not buying the the Shane Beamer anything. He's been ranked as the lowest coach in all the coaching rankings for for Power Five coaches. Nobody really knows what they're going to do other than they're going to be bad. So uh, that's interesting because they were so high on Muschamp. Yeah, funny how that works. I mean. And then you look at look at uh, South Carolina's schedule. They uh, go at A and M, and then host Auburn for the West. Go to Missouri, to Tennessee, and go to Georgia. And then at the end of the season, oh by the way, you host Clemson. So uh, I can see right now five losses to end of the season at A and M, host Florida. That's a loss at Mizzou. That's a loss. Host Auburn, we'll see how, how how Auburn does, and then Clemson. So it could be a long year for Beamer in, in Columbia. Mm, very long. I, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. <laughs> and then we, uh, our, our favorite team, the Tennessee Volunteers. Josh Heupel comes to town. Uh, the AD was hired from UCF, did a search, ended up hiring his, his old coach at UCF, Josh Heupel. Um, Tennessee last year was was not good. Let's just be honest. Three and seven was not good offensively, was decent defensively, uh, but on the offensive side, which will change under Hypo because I think I think that he will uh, scheme up yards. I think early – I think Tennessee will be a lot like Mississippi State in the first game. Remember, uh, Mississippi State played LSU – Bo Pelini decides to go man coverage against all those crossing routes and, and mm-hmm. Mississippi State wins in, in Baton Rouge. Uh, I think Tennessee will come out with a unique look and, and beat Bowling Green, probably beat Pitt game two. Uh, but the, like, like South Carolina, the talent, if, if, if the transfer portal was not a thing, Nick Roush, Tennessee would, <laughs> would project to be a good football team. But the balls have been hammered by the transfer portal. Eric Gray, running back, Oklahoma, goes to Oklahoma. The second running back, Ty Chandler, goes to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Josh Palmer, NFL. Brandon Johnson, receiver, goes to Central Florida. Henry Tao Tao, one of the best linebackers in the SEC, transfers from Tennessee to Alabama, like the Crimson Tide needed uh, linebacker help. Corvarius Crouch, another starting linebacker, to Michigan State. Uh, DeAndre Jackson to Miami. So I mean, yeah, and the, mean, the schools you're mentioning, on and on. they're going to too. Like it shows that they were quality players as well. Yeah, because you know, you, know, you see some players transfer, and then and and no offense, they go to uh, you know East Carolina or they go to Tulane or something like that. The players that have left Tennessee have gone to national championship contending schools. So these are quality players. Again, if these if these players would have been back, you could project Tennessee to, to have a good football team. Uh, but they're not. Quarterback. And I didn't even mention Jared Garantano to Washington State. So the quarterback position, you get Joe Milton transfer in from Michigan, who has a huge arm but prone to interceptions, and, and his accuracy is has not been where it needs to be. They do get Javante Payton uh, transferred from Mississippi State. So we'll see. The quarterback position is is one to take a, a look at. Harrison Bailey is projected to be the starter. He started the final three games, and Tennessee was not good in the final three games. Joe Milton from Michigan, Brian Mayer, you know, the, the quarterbacks that are competing for the position. Um, it could be a tough year for Tennessee, Nick. Oh no, no, Freddie, say it ain't so. Let, let me let me talk about their schedule just for a second. After so. after they clobber Tennessee Tech at home, 
Tennessee goes to Florida, to Missouri, Ole Miss at home, at Alabama, at Kentucky, Georgia. That's that's tough sledding. Yeah. That that's going to be a tough road uh, for Tennessee there. So in yeah, I, it's one of those things too, Freddie. They're probably going to win a game they they aren't supposed to if they can find some uh, semblance yeah. of a quarterback because you know there's some receivers there. They'll they'll, they'll score some points. Uh, yeah, like that, Tennessee that, will score some points. So they, you know there could be a game where other team throw has some turnovers, just get gifts it to them. But for the most part, yeah. you know you don't. Tennessee will not be a beacon of consistency in the SEC this year, and I just pray to the Lord above that that game where they're they're just getting gifted points isn't at Kroger Field in, in late October. Cause, yeah. Or actually, that's November by then. But that's that's the one game on Kentucky's schedule that I could definitely see being the oh man, cats are rocking and rolling, and then Tennessee just ruins all the fun, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, the last team we'll talk about in the East. Nick is the Vanderbilt Commodores, and you wrote a piece on Vanderbilt. Uh, tell us about that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, when you get a new coaching hire, the first step uh, after you build a what fence around the state, because that every coach you've got to build a fence around the state when yeah, it comes to yeah. recruiting. The Coaches next one, are fence builders. Yeah, <laughs> they really are. The next step is to get fans to show up to the stadium, and. <laughs> Man, it, it, Freddie, it's just so – it's so sad the way they're going about it. It's not like, hey, show up and fill our stadium. It's take our stadium back from all of the opponents because they're the ones filling our stadium. We got no fans here. And the, one of the funniest ones, too, there was one assistant that was like, wow, take a look at this. Beautiful, isn't it? That's the first person I've ever heard describe Vanderbilt Stadium as beautiful. Yeah, that's uh... – <laughs> There's nothing There's nothing nice about yeah. that place. It's – it's you know, I give them credit. No. They're trying to do a lot, and I think Clark Lee was as good as Vanderbilt could get at the time, and, you know, he, he's done some good things and can in the future. But just from a – they're in such <clears throat> a deep hole. It's just – it's, yeah. it's they're, they're going to – it's probably going to have to dig a little bit deeper before they can start to claw their way out of it. 0-9 a year ago, uh, not good. Not good at all. Uh, bringing in Clark Lee, defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, was a former fullback for Vanderbilt when, when teams still had fullbacks. Uh, bringing in offensive coordinator David Ray, who was a wide receiver coach from Arizona Cardinals. So you could see uh, Vanderbilt going to that, uh, uh, the up-tempo, the, the throw it all over the place because – uh, but quite frankly, the four players that that Vanderbilt has that that could cause havoc in games. Quarterback Ken Sills, I thought had a really good freshman season, uh, 214 yards a game, 12 touchdowns, and then Vanderbilt does have three quality receivers: Cam Johnson, Amir Amir Abdur Rahman, and Chris Pierce. I, I do think that Vanderbilt has quality receivers. And a good quarterback, not a great quarterback, but a good quarterback. But you lose, I think, the best player on your on the, the offense was Keon Henry Brooks. And we, he's transferring out. We've not seen – he's not yeah. – as of right now, I don't know where he's going. He's not announced yet. But that's, that could, could be a potential – He could, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I think he is dynamic. He, he, uh, he kept him in it last year. I know they got those kind of garbage – Time touchdowns. Um, yeah, kind of tick stoops off when he wanted to let the the quarterbacks rip it a little bit. Yeah, but he but was, he was effective against Kentucky, mm -hmm. and was effective against Mississippi State. So, uh, you know, you look again back to back games against Mississippi State and Kentucky. Though that's that was that those were two good defenses last year. Mm -hmm. So losing losing Henry Brooks really hurts this team. Vanderbilt averaged fourteen point eight points a game last year. Last in the SEC. Uh, turnover margin was minus eight. Last in the SEC. Defensively, pretty much the same. Uh, gave up 37 points a game. Second to last in the league. So not a lot coming back other than that quarterback, Ken Seals, and those three really good re – oh, not really good, good receivers. 
Then you look at their schedule, Nick. They opened up with ETSU at home. Should win that game. Then go to Colorado State, which is strange. Man. And then host Stanford. Then host Stanford and Georgia. Yeah. Oh, we're missing a a Derek Mason reunion, too, just a year away. Yeah. Yeah, so Derek Mason goes to Auburn as a defensive coordinator. But, man, Vanderbilt, uh, I don't know. That, that's tough that's a stretch for me. That's tough sledding. Clark Lee was was a good hire. Um, you know, it, it, uh, the, the folks at Vanderbilt want to see uh, him do what James Franklin did. We'll see about that. But that, that's just such a tough job down there. And it's not because the talent – surrounding him is not good and it's not because i mean folks love nashville you know it's just <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's vanderbilt is a you're really not one of those school. no i'm not one <laughs> vanderbilt is a small school so the alumni base the fan the student population is not not like the other schools so you know you're not and then you're not going to get a lot of people in the stands it's hard to build momentum that's a tough, tough job uh, for for uh, Clark Lee. Kentucky goes to Vanderbilt this year, so we'll see. Not uh, not a lot, to, not a lot of optimism for what Vanderbilt can do in 2021. Yeah, yeah, I hate. Uh... And you know what? This is all spelling out, Freddie. What's that? A lot of wins for Kentucky. Love yeah, we'll. Yeah. There's not there's there's yeah. not a whole lot of a lot of juggernauts out there. There's how many coaches are going to be? I think aside from Florida, Georgia, every other coach that Kentucky's going to play against in the SEC is going to be first or second year head coach at their school. Let's just go through Kentucky's schedule: Louisiana Monroe, first year coach Terry Babb, mm-hmm. Missouri Drinkwitz, second year. second year, Chattanooga. I don't know. Who cares? At Carolina, first year. Florida, LSU at Georgia, Mississippi at Mississippi State, second, second year, year for Mike Leach. I will say this: at Washington State, his first team averaged twenty-one points a game. His second team, thirty-one points a game. So, Mississippi State averaged had was last in the SEC, averaged four point seven yards per play last year, which is, you know, it's dink and dunk. It's short pass. You know, teams figured out how to play against them, but. He normally has a jump from from year one to year two. At Tennessee, I'm sorry, post Tennessee, first year Josh Heupel. At Vanderbilt, first Mark year Lee. Clark Lee. New Mexico State, Doug Martin, a former UK quarterback. He's been there for a long time, and then Satterfield at Louisville. So, well, I, I don't know if he's going to be there, Freddie. By the end of yeah. the year, I. Could have another Bobby Petrino situation where we got to enter him on the sideline. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But we'll uh, next week we'll go we'll we'll dive into Kentucky schedule deeper, and then we'll do the SEC West and anything else that might break uh, during that time. Uh, but we want to thank uh, our friends at LA Coatings for sponsoring this podcast and the previous podcast. They've been wonderful. Uh, you know, we've had Bill on here. We've had Courtney. It's, just, it's been a lot of fun mm-hmm. partnering with LA Coatings, and we sure do appreciate them uh, sponsoring our podcast. Oh, definitely. Uh, we couldn't do it without them. And I know uh, right now, everybody's getting back. That's what's nice about this Memorial Day weekend, Freddie. It feels like we're finally yeah. getting back to normal. And LA Coatings is a great way for your business or organization to to make sure that everybody gets back safely. Um, yeah, some of that churches, schools, yeah, athletic coding. facilities. Yeah, great, great uh, organization. Look up our friends at LA Coatings, uh, which thanks for reminding me, <laughs> Nick Roush. Kentucky announced that it's going back to full capacity seating. We didn't talk about that, uh, which is awesome, which means yeah. tailgating, which is which is awesome. So uh, I think I think the first game against Louisiana Monroe, even though it is a noon kickoff and it's going to be 874 and a half degrees uh, when the game starts, I think Kentucky's going to have a really good crowd because of the intrigue of Lee and Cohen's offense. I'm, I'm with you. And the quarterback. And the quarterback. Because 
You know, I think we're in we're in new waters with the quarterback position at Kentucky under Mark Stoops. Uh, I think Gay Wood, Bo Allen, and Will Levis. Uh, how do I say this? Are the would be the best quarterback on any team that Mark Stoops had with with a new quarterback coach with a new system mm-hmm. since he's been at Kentucky. So uh, one of those one of those three is going to be the starter. Uh, the competition starts now when Will Levis gets to campus. And and you wrote a good piece on both Levis and Bo Allen working with uh, uh, how you say kinesi- kinesiology. kinesiology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, working on their throwing motion. It's just it's nice that uh, I mean in Levis's case he's been doing it a while, but I mean this is month yeah. of May. This is their time off. They're they're actually getting to campus. I found out today on June seventh, I believe, is whenever players yeah. are reporting back. So uh, that. I know that I wouldn't be spending my time off working with a quarterback. I would be in the sun, chasing women. God knows what. I'd be getting in all kinds of trouble during my one month off. But these guys are putting in the extra work, and that's that's significant. That's significant. Um, and we'll see how that translates onto the field. I don't know exactly how or what. But I do know that the conversations about the quarterback competition, we're going to be talking about it for a long, long time, Freddie, until that kickoff September 4th. Oh, yeah, it's not going to be settled for a while. And, uh, you know, I think the first 15 days of fall camp is going to be focused on identifying your starter. If it gets decided then, that's great. Uh, It could go all the way to kickoff. There's no reason for Kentucky to announce that, uh, even if they do have a starter. Again, because that second game of the year is humongous against Missouri. Uh, Louisiana-Monroe will be a tune-up game for the Cats going into that one. So, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we're going to talk about media days next week and uh, everything else. Uh, send us your questions. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a safe and, and wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Uh, thank you for listening. God bless America and go Cats.